Do you have goals for your life? Do you want to grow in God? Join me as we deep dive into real and relevant strategies that ignite you to seek God and slay goals. Hey, y'all. Get ready for a discussion about life, business, relationships, and more, all from a biblical perspective. And I'm your host, Felicia L. Henry. Hey, guys, welcome to another episode of the podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. So today we are here with my pastor, Pastor Brian Pittman, and we are going to be talking about leading in ministry. Not only just leading in ministry, but leading in ministry with maturity. So this is going to be a good, good conversation. Hey, Pastor, how are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm great. Awesome. Thank Thank you you for being here. Thank you for having me. I am honored. You had all the greats before me. So here I am. I'm the last one on the total pole. That is so false. Good to be here. Amen. So let's just give people a little bit of background of who you are outside of pastoring, what it is that you do. Just tell us who you are. I am a father. I am an entrepreneur. And I am an educator. Pretty much what I do. Out of that, everybody knows I'm a pastor and and, and I'm a musician. Absolutely. Have not lost the love of that. Awesome. So, you know, we talked about you being a pastor and you're a pastor of a church plant. So it's not like you came in and took over from somebody. You started the whole entire church. Entire church. What were you thinking? I don't know. (laughs) Me thinking. It was something else in me thinking for me. Oh my goodness. No, but seriously, um, talk about that journey where you knew that God was calling you to this assignment of pastorship of a church plant. Um, and really what was your response to that? Well, I grew up in church all of my life. I grew up, I, I wasn't in church, but I grew up in church. Um, if, if you, if you can get that. Um, so, um, I always had a it was just in me from a child. I always wanted to be like my my grandfather, who was a pastor. So he was like it for me. He was the epitome of what success looked like for me, what, what I wanted to be when I grew up. So I looked at my grandfather as that model of, of a man that I wanted to be when I grew up. And it just so happened that he was a pastor. So as a little boy, I mocked him. I did everything just like him. Um, before I had a pulpit and a mic, I had corners and uh, cars and malls where I would just leave my parents or leave wherever I was with, and I'll start preaching. And crowds would just gather around me as a little boy. I was preaching, but I don't know. If it was it was more of me wanting to be like my grandfather than me recognizing that there was a call on my life. Um, but but as I matured. Um, spiritualists or prophetic people, if you will, if you're in the church, um, they would kind of give words over my life. And one of those words were that you will be a pastor, that you will lead people. I got older, I grew, sort of grew out of, out of that phenomenon in my life and I got into music. 
And eventually, long story short, music moved me all over the country, everywhere. And I had no intentions of being anyone's pastor at all until one day it was a sort of inside job. It was just, it just fell on me. It was impressed on me um, of what my love was when I was growing up and what my passion lies when I was growing up. I didn't say yes. What happened was, I had to come to the end of my role where I couldn't sleep it off. I couldn't laugh it away or walk it off. Uh, it's just something I had to really face and, and deal with. It was almost as if, um, Felicia, if I didn't say yes to it, it was almost portraying my peace. Mm. You know, it was almost like I had to or else my happiness was at stake, you know? So uh, that was my journey, man. I, I really just, it was just a, as if it was a burden on me that I couldn't get rid of. And I had to say yes. It was like almost a matter of life or death for me. Wow. So in that, when you said yes, what did your, your yes really look like? Because I know a lot of times we struggle with our yes. We are unsure when we're giving our yes. So for you, during that time, what did that really look like for you? I think we, we need to understand, uh, not for me, not just for me, but for anybody. Um, yes, a yes is not verbiage. A yes is more action than anything. Okay. Um, anybody can vocalize anything they want to say, but the proof of their uh, proclamation is in their actionables. And so for me, yes looked like moving forward with what I was saying yes to. If you say yes and never move, you say yes and never have actionables behind your yes, then your yes is really still a no, mm. right? Um, because yes comes with a responsibility of doing what you said yes to. So yes, so for me, saying yes came with me actually having to put into action what I was saying yes to. That's so good. Yes comes with the responsibility. Yes. That is really, really good. So talk about, okay, now that you're in pastoring and looking back at your journey, could you see looking back that there were moments where God was preparing you for this assignment? Absolutely. Well, I had been pastoring the whole time. The whole time before I knew what pastor looked like, I've been pastoring the whole time. Uh, it just I was just a magnet for people to look up to and model after and come to for uh, advice and and consultation. And I didn't know at the time that that's what pastoring looked like, and the and the and the information that I began to gather on those seasons wasn't because I felt in a situation or in a season where I had to start getting information. No, I felt a I felt an obligation to know more when people came and asked more of me. So I began to learn more just because I had people pulling on me um, for matters of their life, and that was while I was just a musician or just uh, just a friend for someone. I was always that guy from a child. I was always that guy that people just kind of look to uh, 
uh, for direction in life. And so for me, that was the signal that I missed uh, because I just didn't really know what pastoring really looked like or leadership, should I say, really looked like. Mm, that's good. So let's, I want to unpack that a little bit more. Um, you said you didn't really know what pastoring looked like. Now that you're in it, what really is pastoring? Because I think a lot of times from the outside looking in, people have their own idea of what pastoring is, or people have their own, even just leadership. Um, and there's a lot of, oh, if I were them, I would do this. And yeah. really, um, we don't really know until we're in that position. So really, just talk about what pastoring really is, and then we'll go a little bit deeper into leadership. Now, that's a very open-ended question, but for me, just a very real simplistic answer in a real sense. Pastoring is leading and influencing people, um, inspiring people um, to be the... Uh, to be um, the best version of themselves that they were intended to be. Um, leadership for me or pastoring is, for me, it's capacity to kind of rally people, man, and with a common purpose and, 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 and have and influence them to not only um, say I want to do better, but have a thirst to want to be better and leading them in a journey, guiding them in a, in a journey. If, if, we take, if we take the um, example of a shepherd on a farm, a shepherd on a job is to protect a feed and guide the sheep. So uh, essentially, if we just take those three simplistic uh, uh, principles of a shepherd, that's what we do. We feed, we guide, and we protect. Be God protect. That's good. That's good. So now when it comes to pastoring, when it comes to leadership, there can be, there's different levels of it. You can be a leader, but you could be a not so great leader. Um, but we really want to talk about what are the characteristics of a great leader? Because I mean, where people are just in personal lives with everything that's going on in the world now, the world needs great leadership. So what are the characteristics of a good leader, a great leader? Um, there are several characteristics of a, of, of a great leader, but if you're asking what are some of the dominant characteristics um, that I think that you should carry, number one, let me let me uh, preference um, that with this. Number one, as a leader, as leaders, you know, uh, and this is, has become our mantra in our leadership sessions is that we cannot become what we need by remaining what we are. So let me preface this first one to say that a, a, a characteristic of a good leader, number one, is that he or she is growing. There is maturation. There is maturity. Um, if you can become the leader you ought to be on the inside, then you'll be able to become the person you want to be on the outside. And people will want to follow you. And when that happens, you'll be able to tackle anything, in my opinion, in, in this world. So I think the first thing for leaders that, uh, for characteristic of a great leader is one who has a perpetual journey of growth on the inside, on the inside. 
Um, secondly, I'm going to say character. Character, having great character. Um, because I believe that a person's uh, actions is a real indicator of their character. So if you're going to lead, then your actions ought to be that of a responsible leader. Um, talent is just a gift, but character is a choice. Mm. You know, yeah, so say that, say that one more time. <laughs> so talent <laughs> is a gift, but character is a choice. Okay. So, so, so for me, um, uh, strong character is the foundation, if you will, on which you build success as a leader. All right. And for me, because I'm just that guy, uh, a charisma, you got to have good character. And I think you got to have uh, charisma. When it comes to charisma, for me, I think that the bottom line is uh, leaders who think about others and their concerns before thinking about themselves charisma when you make other people feel more important than yourself kind of gives you kind of gives you favor with people they begin to take on you more because you're not just grouping yourself with them and it's all about you um thirdly i want to say uh commitment you gotta have uh commitment and this is what um felicia i believe separates doers from dreamers commitment um and i think uh you ought to have good communication which is you know right. <laughs> one of those you know you got to have good so and having good communication simplify your message it's not what you say but how you say it okay it is one who uh, you 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 show the truth through your commission. So in other words, you believe what you say, and you live what you say. And then communication. What else? You seek a response. The goal of all of all communication. This is one of the things that you taught me that you helped me with in my journey in communication is that the goal is action, not just talk. The goal of of communication is action. What comes next? Where where's this talk leading to? Where's this sermon leading to? Where's this meeting? What actionables is this is this meeting leading to? All right. So this is a few things. There's several things that we can highlight. And lastly, I just want to say two things else I want to say is competence. If you build it, they will come. Competence then goes for me, it goes beyond words. It's the leader's ability to say it, plan it, and do it in such a way that uh, others know that you know how and know that they want to follow you. Competence. And lastly, man, I'm going to say courage. I'm going to say courage. One person with courage. Uh, uh, the right, uh, his name is Eddie Brinkenbacker. He says one person. I want to. I want to remember this quote. He says one person with courage. One person with courage is the majority. Courage is. And another brother by the name of Carl Birth. He says courage is fear. 
that has said his prayers. <laughs> mm. Okay. <laughs> so Karis then is doing what you're afraid to do. There can be no courage unless you're scared. Right. So courage is a result of fear, but it's a result of fear not taking over purpose. Isn't that good? So, so you got to have courage. You got to have courage to, to, to do what nobody else uh, uh, understands. And I think, uh, lastly, I know I say this, I'll do it for my <laughs> Listen, this is every Sunday morning. There's <laughs> always another point after he says last. To say this, discernment. <laughs> discernment. You cannot be a great leader, and the quality of a great leader is that he or she has discernment. Okay? They, they, you gotta have discernment. Smart leaders uh, uh, believe only half of what they hear. Smart leaders believe only half of what they hear. Discerning leaders know which they believe. I'm going to say it again. Smart leaders believe only have what they hear, but discerning leaders know which they believe. So you got to be able to, you got to be able to discern revelance, uh, mythology as it relates to your audience. You got to be able to, to discern um, what's up the road and what's coming. And I think um, if you don't have this, this particular uh, uh, quality, I don't think that you are, um, I don't think that leading is your, is your best quality because God doesn't call nobody to lead that he doesn't give discernment to. And what, what do you mean by discernment? What do you mean? I mean, having the sense, and this is a, this is not, this is a, this is a divine sense. This is not a part of five. This is a, this is, okay, we're going to call it today the, having that sixth sense. We're going to call discernment the sixth sense. Having that, having that, having that unction that nobody else can see or tell or know where it comes from, but you got this unction that you're able to discern things without any proof, without no proof at all, without no, uh, without no, uh, evidence or no supporting uh trends or details or stats to prove you just got discernment man so i think uh that that is very very important and uh to have and if i can encourage anybody who may listen to this um ipad as a leader in whatever uh capacity um you cannot be afraid of what or who you'll leave during the process or the season or the moment of a mistake. The value in your mistake as a leader is not who or what will remain, it's what you'll learn to keep what's coming. All right. Well, amen. I feel like I need to be taking notes here. Should be. I'm gonna go back and listen to it. So I wanted to, uh, you said a lot and a lot of it was good. Um, but I wanna go to this discernment piece. Can you have discernment without the Holy Ghost? Well, now it depends on what school of thought that, that you're gonna uh, answer this question from, right? I think that there is there that discernment within itself again is the ability 
to judge well, have the ability to judge well. Now, how do we do that spiritually? In, 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 in the real sense, spiritual and spiritual formation, formation we know as, as, as Christians to judge well, we do that by what we call through the Holy Spirit. You know, it's, 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 it's that sixth sense that, that allows us to judge well. Now, I also um, believe that discernment is a spiritual gift. It is a gift that is innate. It is something that in some of us who are called to this, it is already in us. So you don't have to be saved to have this sixth sense. Because um, to, to judge well, some people, quote unquote, judge well out of information or out of not necessarily revelation but christian leaders we judge well through both information and the revelation so we kind of have another kind of level of it but there is a sense of discernment i believe in all humans that is that is that is that is uh innate in us that we were born with um or else this scripture will not be true and that is, there's warning before destruction. That is to the unsaved as well as the saved or, or people who've been justified. So I believe that uh, you don't, you need the Holy Spirit to judge well consistently. But then there's another part of grace of God that is in everybody that's, that's that spirit that allows each of us warning to judge well. You, you know, you know, you wasn't always, you know, where you are today in your Christian walk. And there are moments where something would tell you, don't walk this way, go the other way. Right. <laughs> <laughs> or don't go there today. You know, that today is not a good day to go there or you'll be somewhere and you just get a bad feeling. Like you go somewhere, you're like, it just, just don't feel right. It just feels eerie. I think I got to go. Right. And that's nothing that you've been praying about. You just got this feeling. Right. So I think um, discernment is in both worlds, but I believe that uh, consistent, um, holy uh, discernment for your journey cannot be done apart from what we believe the Holy Spirit. Well, amen. Can I add one more thing to that? Because you can judge well through, through, through information and be a successful businessman. But that does not guarantee that you'll be that you'll be um, successful internally, right? Right. So, so the prominence of the Holy Spirit is not that not that we gain uh, success existentially; is that we gain um, success internally, right? So we can have so we can have a million dollars and still keep peace, right? So, so, so that we can have. Uh, tangible benefits but still have our joy right? right and that is the function of that discerning quality of the holy spirit that secular uh people lack all right all right body mind and soul all right we have to come back and do a whole nother conversation about holy spirit because it Jesus. gets deep <laughs> <laughs> you already know it i'm for it Oh, man. So the other day, well, not the other day, maybe a couple of weeks ago, we were in leadership class and uh, 
Pastor Eric Jarman was our facilitator. Shout out to Pastor Eric Jarman. And he was talking about the weight um, and the responsibility of leadership. And some of the things that he was saying, um, it really freed me because, okay, you know, let's just have a candid conversation. You're my pastor now. uh, And I knew you prior to uh, your pastorship, right? And so there have been times where I we didn't always agree on decisions that were being made. And mm-hmm. so a lot of times I struggle internally with not wanting to submit to leadership because I felt like in my own mind or my own wisdom, my discernment, that it was going to lead to somewhere that wasn't necessarily good. And that that caused me to struggle with submitting to a particular instruction, right? So, but what Pastor uh, Jarman said, he said, you know, when you're submitting to your leader, it becomes their responsibility. Like the responsibility of it is no longer on you as the person that is submitting. It is on the the pastor, your leader. Um, And that really freed me because I I didn't want, I just didn't want to be, you know, making a wrong decision or being a part of something that might not have gone the way, you know, a proper way. But when we are, you know, submitted to leadership, we really are freed of that responsibility that comes with the decisions that are being made. So for you, from your perspective, just talk about what really has been the weight of being a leader or being a pastor. I think I alluded a little bit to that earlier when I mentioned, when I made the comment that as a leader, um, you cannot uh, focus so much on uh, making the mistake or what you will lose or you or who you will lose and make a mistake, but the value and the lesson of what will come out of it. Because the value and the lesson that will come out of that mistake is what will prepare you to hold on to your future. So for me, the weight of it is this, is is staying conscious of not being persuaded by people who were not called to be in your seat. Mm. Because as leaders, I told you, we're shepherds, so we're connected hearts. We're connected to our hearts. And we we don't want nobody mad at us. We don't want nobody disagree. We want to make, we're trying to make everybody happy at the same time. But then through all of that noise, and through all of those different uh, emotions and concerns with everybody else, you're still trying to listen and obey God, but 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 not obeying God in the sense that it caused offense to others. So sometimes you'll be caught in the, in a situation where you're trying to obey God, and you won't because of who is offending. Mm. Right. Wow. So you're caught in between. So so. So you're grappling in what you know you heard God say and what people are saying and seeing. Because a lot of times in leadership, in leadership, you're always going to get revelation and instructions before people understand or want to do. You understand? So you are always grappling with listening to God and pleasing people. And we see Moses in the same situation that we're talking about. He was grappling or in between 
listening to God, what you know God's saying, and pleasing. The pressure was surmount was surmountable on him from people to make something happen. God said, Moses, don't hit the rock. I'm gonna make it happen. The people got impatient. Moses was under so much pressure that he ended up uh disregarding what God said, how and when he was gonna do something because of the pressure of the people. And what happened to him? It caused Moses to miss the promise. Mm -hmm. He's seen it, but he never was able to walk into it. Why? Because he's because he was succumbed by the pressure of people and not God. So as leadership, we're all the weight of it is trying to be passionate towards people while being fully obedient to God. That's good. And and even um you talked about Moses, but even with uh the story of Saul, King Saul, and oh my gosh, this is one of my favorite stories, um, just related to obedience, because you know, God told him to do a specific thing, a specific way, and he was pressured by the people to do yeah. something else. And he yeah. went with what the people said. And because of that, he was rejected as king. And the Bible says um, that the Lord regretted that he yeah. had made Saul king. And when I read that, I said, oh, my goodness, that is so deep that our disobedience can make God regret or feel like that he made the wrong decision in, in giving us a certain um, blessing yeah. or opportunity. What we deep about that is, you know, Saul was never God's choice. He was always the people's choice. Whew. The people chose Saul, not God. God never wanted the king. God wanted the priests. <laughs> because God would be in that position to have his ear and have his heart. So, That's yeah. so good. Okay, okay. Because we can go on with that. Um, but yeah, the weight, um, responsibility of leadership. So have you ever, have you found yourself in that situation where you just, you chose to do something different than exactly what God told you to do. Absolutely. Several times, Se several times, because you, you start to trust people so much or certain people around you so much um, that you don't, so, at some moments you don't even, you don't consult God or you can feel a certain way in your heart, but you give somebody else some grace to kind of lead you instead of God. And I've had moments like that. But those moments are precious because it really teach you to really trust the voice of God and trust your leadership. See, leaders who don't tr or who are who are uh, insecure with with uh, with with their ear to God's mouth will never be led by God because they'll always be insecure about their directives from God. So they'll listen and be directed by people. Right. And so what I, so the, the experience of doing that really teaches you really should to trust who you are. You're the shepherd of the house or you are the leader or you are the visionary of that business or uh, however leadership looks in your area. You got to trust your vision and how God speaks it to you. And whatever walks away from you during your process, during your process of, uh, a masturbation because all of us are still learning and levels God's voice because at every level his signals seem more foreign mm. <laughs> because the way he moved last season he ain't doing it this time so now you got so when you go from uh when you are 
elevating, then there is another level of not only success, but trust. And the weight of trusting God on different levels increases because now on every level, there's more at stake. Yeah. So that challenges you again in your faith and what you believe because in one season, that mistake would only cost you $1,000. But as you increase, now this, now this mistake can cost you a million dollars and plus your whole congregation. Come on. Now the weight on you is like more, you know, you know so, you know, as you grow and, and as you get to that point, you'll learn. And I should, I've listened to people on how to counsel people. I listen to, and, and, I, and I haven't, pre- so I made that mistake, but I've learned through it is that, man, there's no voice like by God. He is the trusted voice and he is the source. If your ministry or your business is built on people or is surviving by people, then it ain't God. Ooh, come on. Yeah. Wow. So let's talk about mature leadership. Um, I think there's a lot of people running to be a leader, um, especially with the emergence of social media. And I just see a lot of immaturity in um, just things that are being put out there. So from your perspective, why is it important for us to be spiritually and just practically mature as leaders? And what does that look like? Well, it's important to be uh, mature. Uh, well, I mean, I'm careful with how we or how we uh, discuss this particular uh, section because this is it's people levels of a maturity is really based on where, what believed. Okay, so the knowledge that T.D. Jakes would need to run what he's running, where where I am or you are, we probably wouldn't need to be there right now. So I think maturity looks like this, being what's necessary where you are and growing into what's necessary where you're going. Right, does that make sense? Mm-hmm, yep. And so um, it's important to have maturity because if you don't have, because if you're not mature, number one, in your heart, in your uh, emotions, you'll be easily uh, offended by anybody, right, who challenges you. And I think a good leader, um, John Maxwell, he was one of my favorite writers. He says a good leader encourages followers to tell him, to tell him or her, not what he needs to hear, but what he needs to know. Right. Right. If you are immature and a baby in your uh, emotions, you'll get offended by somebody telling you what you need to hear. You know, you won't take it as constructive um, criticism. You'll be, You'll take it as, you know, offensive dialogue. So if you're not at a level of maturity in your emotions, then you won't be responsible with people's heart. Right? So you'll so you'll always be causing a bloodbath in your surroundings because you'll always be on the defense. Wow. Right? So it'd be more bloodshed. Than healing, 
Mm. Yeah. Wow. That was because you're tied. Now, if your emotions messed up and you're emotionally tied, then everybody's gonna be in the crazy house, right? What? Not the, <laughs> <laughs> Not the crazy house. You're all crazy. Oh my goodness, that's so real though. Yeah. Maturity matters. Maturity matters in leadership. So just to wrap it up, do you have any or who are your favorite leaders, both in the Bible and just, you know, in real life? Notably, um, I, I love, uh, like I mentioned John Maxwell. He's one of my favorite authors that, uh, that, I, that I read. Um, my pastor, uh, Dr. Ari Vernon, he's like, He's like, you know, one of my go-tos. Like, he's, he's my guy. Uh, when I started in, in, until this day, uh, Dr. Miles, Dr. Miles Monroe, he's been, you know, his teachings have been, has literally discipled me. Mm. Um, literally. Um, and I could go on and on, but uh, to name three prominent people just off the top of my head, uh, there's a young brother who's on the rise now, man. His name is uh, Dr. Darius Daniels. Uh, I like him, but on a theological sense, who I really gauge off of uh, theological is, theologically is a plethora uh, of people. But yeah, those are my probably my three go-tos all the time. What about biblically? Biblically, um, I have to start with Abraham. He's probably the model of where I want my level of obedience and faith uh, to be on. Abraham, like he's he's my guy, and he's so integral. And I don't know why people don't talk enough about Abraham, but he's so integral that God blessed him so that it put, that his blessing fell on everybody. Right. There's no other leader in the Bible who God blessed like that, that it fell on everybody. I mean, everybody. And I don't think we look at Abraham, uh, we'll give him enough credit, but it was because of Abraham's obedience that we're here. Absolutely. We are the seed of Abraham. And then when God blessed Abraham, he said, I'm going to bless that seed. So his obedience and his faith to God not only blessed him uh, in his season, but it blessed everything that would come after him. And guess what? And because God put that blessing on him, it not only blessed everything after him, it blessed everything that everything after him, it blessed the fields that they'll be planted on. Right? So fruit comes out of the ground because there's a blessed people that walk on that walk on the ground and need it. Right. There is rain and there's harvest. Why? Because there's a blessed people who's there and needed. So every everything that comes up out of the earth, everything that is necessary for us to survive and be healthy and be successful, is because of the blessing on Abraham out of his obedience and faith towards God. There you know in Hebrews that there is a faith and obedience hall of fame. Abraham is mentioned first. Yep. So, and from Abraham, of course, because I'm a, I'm a Levi, I'm a musician, David, <laughs> gotta go to David. David was messed up totally, but he was gifted and he was called like most of us messed up, gifted and called. Right. But 
we can't let the messed up part of us ruin the calling, right? right. Gifted, messed up, and called. So we see how God can gift you, right? And you can be messy with the gift and still be called and operate outside of your messiness into your blessedness. Mm, okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. Oh, yeah. that was good. That was good. So if somebody's like, okay, I am that person, you know, I got some messiness going on, but I want to be a better leader. What's the one thing that you would tell them right now? You can't let your problems be a problem. You can you can measure a good leader. You can you will measure a good leader by the problems he or she tackles. He always looks for his own. So, in, in, in other words, we all have problems. We all have issues and struggles, right? But we cannot let our issue and our struggle be an issue. How do we do that? How do I discipline myself not to let my problem be a problem? How do I demonstrate my gift and my calling feeling bad about what I keep on allowing myself to be outside of this pulpit or outside of being on camera? Those failures, those private failures, tend to show up in our attitude about our public display mm -hmm. right and if we get caught in our private failures and it stops you from being who you supposed to be with people i think i was speaking to a young lady yesterday and i was telling her that you know somebody's life is not dependent on her struggle but it's dependent on your yes right, right. you can have a struggle but have a yes and still get to purpose because the because the Holy Spirit is meant to, to have a job. When, what is the Holy Spirit job? One of it is to focus on your weakness. And if you don't operate, we all have to operate out of our weakness. We don't operate out of our strength. We operate out of private failures. We operate out of our weakness. If there was no weakness in, in us for op to operate, then we'll never need his strength. His strength is made perfect how? In our weakness. So how do I operate out of my weakness? I, I operate out of my weakness when I'm still giving God a yes or still fulfilling my purpose, struggling, hurt, um, feeling isolated and rejected. I still have to move forward with my purpose. I cannot let the private me, right, kill the public me. Mm. Cannot. You cannot. You cannot commit suicide privately right and never be who you were meant to be publicly wow. right you can't david was somebody else privately we see that we look all throughout the bible we see every paul said it best he summed it up better for all of us he said when i want to when i want to do right when i know to do right evil is always present and i still do what's wrong when i know what to do right he said i'm the chief sinner but him acknowledging his weakness and operating out of his weakness gave God something to work with to strengthen. Right. So if you never work out of your weakness, then God is never working on you. Mm. Because like we mentioned, and, and I started off with this quote, I started off with this, I said, if you can become the leader you ought to be on the inside, 
you will be able to become the person you want to be on the outside because God does a job. His job is always inside out. But if I'm never operating from my weakness, then I'm never giving God anything to, to work with. Why? Because I'm hiding and covering up in my weakness. I'm using my weakness as an excuse of why I can't become. Mm. This is right? so good. Yeah. I'm, I'm in church. Let the church say amen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. No, but you dropped some, dropped some bombs on us today. So, uh, you know, just just take that all in, y'all. Take it all in. Um, thank you so much for uh, just sharing your wisdom and your journey with us. And let the people know how they can connect with you. You can connect with me on Facebook uh, by just typing in my name, Brian Pittman, I-G-B-R Pittman. Uh, or you can uh, go to our church website, kcclife.com. I'm there. You can hit the info button. You'll see me there. Um, any comments or questions or concerns or you just want prayer, hit me up. I love to notably call myself the city's pastor. So uh, I would love to connect with you and I would love for you to connect with our church, Kingdom Culture, uh, Kingdom Culture Church website, kcclife.com. Check us out. Uh, you won't be disappointed. Amen. Thank you, Amen. Pastor. I want to close with one thing because I'm the pa uh -oh. I'm still the pastor. Oh, I want to okay. tell you, everybody who's going to listen to this, please don't edit this out. I want to remind you as a leader that you are a target. You are a target. All right. People are is going to seemingly be more people looking for you to fail than there's people looking to you to success. But that is a lie. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Every target against you, God is going to condemn and dismiss. You just keep on working the work and doing what you're doing, and God's going to do the rest. God bless you. God bless you, Pastor Brian Pittman. Thank you for tuning in to the Seek God Slay Goals podcast. Stay connected with us on Facebook and Instagram at Seek God Slay Goals.